The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Go ahead, try again. Play the Dark... Dark side. The Dark Side? Dark Horse. The End of Darkness. Hot podcast. My name was Dark... Dark... Matter. No, it's not Matter. Time to go dark. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. And I'm Steven. I'm Sam, your favorite uh, Corellian noble. And I'm uh, Steven, your second favorite podcast host. We already said you were Steven. Oh, crap. You fucking piece of... Would you be Corellian, though? That's the joke. It's an oxymoron. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Corellian okay, <for> nobles. Sure. <laughs> if we're you're back. a Corellian noble and you heard that out there and you're uh, offended yeah, by yeah, that Yeah, Garm. Garm Belliblis. Garm Belliblis. I know you're out there. Uh, Steven, we get some feedback from last week. Let's take a look. A couple folks pointed out that the prime strategy for the Kohun. Uh, Kahun? Kahun? It's not Kahun. Kohun? Kahun? Kuhun? Welcome to the Pronunciation Times podcast. <laughs> the Kahun were the, the venomous centipedes from Attack of the Clones that we covered last week as part of our Poisons episode. Uh, Sam, did you know Attack of the Clones is 20 years old this week? That's incredible. Yeah. That's wow! I did you see that movie in in the theaters as a? They can legally kid? try that movie as an adult now for its crimes <laughs> against humanity. <laughs> I, I didn't. I did not been, see that movie in theaters. I did. Way. I did. I barely. Oh, I remember, remember it. we talked about it because the Death Sticks guy. We. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your, right. Your dad was like, "Oh, Obi Wan doesn't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, see? see, drugs bad. Clearly, <laughs> sorry, Dad." <laughs> uh. It was pointed out that we, I think we were we were maybe non nonplussed by their meager stats, yeah. but uh, a few of our listeners were kind of point out that they have a net plus twenty eight stealth mod and yeah. definitely rely on the coup de gras against unaware, helpless enemies, sleeping enemies, even so for an holy, automatic crit. Well, at that point, holy shit, Obi Wan and Anakin fucking like knew where they were. Instantly. Genuinely, I love that scene because they were so small and like so hidden. Um, cuts them in half with a lightsaber, just like, <laughs> and right on, right on top of the bed too, without even singeing the sheets. Like that shit was badass. That was a real Jedi moment, absolutely. And then, <laughs> so okay, Anakin cuts them in half with like insane precision. Immediate next thing to happen, next turn on the initiative order, Obi Wan's out the window, like full blown, full sprint, yeah, like, running out the yeah, window. Yeah, he he noticed the, the like the little droid thing was there instantly. Just really leaps out the window. Really great force perception moment. Just saying, six seconds, fucking sick. It, Anakin, that was about six seconds. Anakin wasn't it? jumps in, double attacks, yeah. kills two of them in one hit. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan <laughs> leaps out the window at full speed. That whole scene and the, the following encounter through the, the, the chase through through the Coruscant at, at night is one of my favorites. It's insanely stunning and thrilling scene. Oh, it's so great. It, it was so good. They were like, man. The music is perfect, too. Coruscant Underground such a cool idea. We should make games on this. And then they made Bounty Hunter. <laughs> that game was cool. I never played it, but it was oh, cool. It's, it's got some great moments. I had an Xbox at that time. Um, but I never, I never picked it up. Oh, uh, you could have played the Obi Wan game, yeah, which was an exclusive to the Xbox. It was, and I, I never picked that one up either for some because reason. the the I PS2 and GameCube versions were canceled before they no finished way. Production. I thought yeah. it was just Microsoft. No, it's just they some... they were gonna do ports of it. They just they canceled just it. Yeah, it's so funny. Great. Oh man, um, I know that game has some unique like bosses in it. Maybe I'm thinking of Bounty Hunter again. Probably both. <laughs> Sam, why don't you tell the lovely listeners uh, why we're recording this episode? What's our topic today? Our topic this week is the basics, the, you know, the appetizer. This is like the appetizer episode. You listen to this so that you understand the palate of the rest of the, it's a primer. Yeah. And uh, we were inspired to do this because someone reached out to us. I think it might've been good old St. Sir Nicholas, uh, wanted to know what episodes he could point a friend to, to get them into Swissy. And we were like, well, shit, like half of this episode, like these three separate episodes and the bottom quarter of this one episode. Yeah, we like, <laughs> we've covered the primer for Swissy, I think, in, in pretty good detail, but spread over several parts. Not so concisely to... and not in one space. Absolutely. So that's that's what the purpose of this episode is for. Maybe 
we might repeat ourselves a little bit. We might tread over some familiar ground here. But oh, yeah. Anyone who's a who's played this game for more than six months is yeah. probably a pro already. You compared can to probably stop listening now if that's you. Honestly, get out of here. The, the jokes are still there, Stephen. No, no, don't. don't Do people listen up. for the jokes? I listen for the jokes. Me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a haze. I remember that we made them the next day. <laughs> well, to understand. Swissy or Star Wars Saga Edition for you laymen out there. Yeah, we have lames. to understand. <laughs> we have to understand what a tabletop system is. Like, yeah. what does that mean? When I say D twenty system, like, what does that mean to the common person? And let's define those terms. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, it, as as you know, and as many people know, maybe even if you aren't familiar with with, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. It's, no, there's plenty wrong with not. <laughs> I do not mean that one bit. It's, so a D20 role playing system is a game where you roll usually a 20 sided die to resolve conflicts. Um, I think of role playing games are our best thought of as like a storytelling engine. We've talked about this collaborative storytelling is what it is. Yeah, that is the main goal of a role playing game to tell a story. The players and DMs are on it's like a tandem bike. Yeah, it's like exactly. a six person tandem yeah. bike <laughs> where the players and the DMs are on the bike. The DM steers the bike. Yes, but Swissy or any tabletop system is the bike itself. Yeah, is the vehicle of your storytelling motion. I think that's a perfect analogy, and. uh Star Wars Saga Edition is a game to tell Star Wars stories. So it's a, it's, it's a tandem speeder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Precisely. And um, it, it's well discussed in, in storytelling circles and even literature about mythology and stuff like that. But um, why I say it's a Star Wars storytelling system is because, of course, every story you can tell, whether it's with Dungeons & Dragons, Vampire the Masquerade, or GURPS, there's going to be common elements that pop up in just about any other story you can you can tell about conflict. There's a protagonist and there's an antagonist and there's a whole lot of people in between that shape the narrative. Why we emphasize Star Wars storytelling, though, is because there's many, you know, deep mythological and storytelling elements that are specific to Star Wars stories. Star Wars is a space opera. You know, there's grandiose conflicts happening over massive scales. The uh, idea that there's some sort of overarching power in the universe. Yes, indeed. A guiding force. Fate, destiny. These are elements that are deeply tied to many stories, but also especially Star Wars stories. And you'll see pretty soon why those are important to this system. And some people, I mean, I think compared to other systems. So let's talk about other systems. You have Dungeons and Dragons. It's been around since the eighties. Yeah, uh, if not even earlier. sooner, even sooner, <laughs> or, or earlier, earlier, yeah, earlier, earlier, yeah. Whoa, <laughs> um, it's a fantasy setting. You know, yeah. you've got your your knights and your wizards, and you go kill dragons. And it's inspired by the world of Tolkien, who was a masterful archetypal storyteller. Absolutely, and then I think for different systems like this, it might be a little jarring or a little like unsavory for someone to play that sort of like fantasy, high fantasy setting. Which is why there's like that. We talk about Vampire of the Masquerade, where that's yeah. a vampire role playing game. And then there's the Star Wars Saga Edition or any other Star Wars role playing game where it is set in the Star Wars universe, which might be more palatable to, you know, I don't have to read Lord of the Rings to understand fantasy. Exactly. And uh, something that was big for me, you know, I wasn't always into fantasy as much as I am. There was even a time like, you know, in my teenage years when I was actually didn't like fantasy at all. I thought it was kind of lame compared to science fiction. Uh, and that's why I think it's cool that a lot of different role-playing systems exist, especially Swissy, because you can appeal to just about anyone. Uh, of course, the, the imagery that comes to mind when someone says role-playing D&D, you get elves, dwarves, knights, dragons, even in the name. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting to me that we can tell these different shapes of stories and because we can well gosh darn i i think we should you know honestly i think funnily enough what's appealing about star wars as a setting for role-playing is it kind of dances that line it's science fiction fantasy yeah absolutely you know? you've got the cool high-tech stuff you've got droids that look like people when they talk and they translate languages you've got strange aliens from the cosmos and you've also got the weird like cloaked wizard dude yeah. <laughs> who like lifts a stick and casts lightning out of it. Precisely. <laughs> like that happens in Tolkien and in Lucas works all the time. 
uh, I think they were, I mean, it's, it's obvious to say to anyone listening that they were drawing on very much the same elements from the very same creative time period, which is to say Lucas was drawing on, on the works of Frank Herbert's Dune. Lucas yeah. and, and Tolkien were obviously not contemporaries. Well, this isn't a, a literature uh, discussion podcast. No, of course not. And it isn't. And I, I can already hear people falling asleep. But um, I, I think it's important to acknowledge, acknowledge and know the roots of modern storytelling if you're going to be a modern storyteller in, in your RPG with your friends. And, you know, hold, before you click away, if you just want to, you know, kill droids with lightsabers, that's also here, too. So he's perfect for that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like We're, we're just talking about... Uh, for someone who's never played or never even heard of anything like Critical Role or anything like that, any of those big budget like Dungeons and Dragons things to kind of explain that concept to them in a way that it might be foreign, you know, yeah. like explaining someone the color red who's never seen it before. It's kind of hard, kind of nebulous. You got to do it. You ever see a tomato? You ever see a tomato? A strawberry. <laughs> the similarities between these different systems is always going to be there. There's always social interactions between player characters and non-player characters, stuff yeah. like that. You're always going to have, at least most of the time, you're going to have a sort of conflict, yeah. whether it be a physical uh, altercation or whether it be like a political conflict or something like that. And 100%. Steven and I, you know, a lot of people agree as well. They see Star Wars as a good stage for these sort of ideas and conflicts. 100%. As not so glamorously shown by George Lucas in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> And even though these are, you know, boring, very literary ideas, you know, these are the subject and the framework of the game. You know, when you play a game, when you roll a, a skill check and resolve it against DC, you are telling a story. You are a character overcoming some sort of archetypal conflict, no matter what that is. Uh, you talked about the similarities between a system like Saga Edition and a system like D&D. Um, I think it's important to highlight the differences because I think appreciating Saga Edition really comes from knowing and appreciating the differences it has with, with Dungeons & Dragons, its closest cousin. As we all know, Swissy was born at a crucial junction in D&D's history, right on the cusp between 3.5 and 4th edition. This was a time where the rules were being completely upheaved, that design choices in role-playing games were becoming extremely experimental. That Wizards of the Coast, the the driver of the the minivan full of children that was the RPG industry at the time, uh, was ready to completely, if you ask some people, oversimplify the rules that made Dungeons & Dragons 3.5e so great into 4th edition. And Saga Edition's cool because it is the weird cross-hybrid between the crunch and the meat that was the rules-heavy 3.5 and the fluid well, 4th edition was trying to be fluid and simple and easy to pick up. And I think, personally, that Saga Edition has the, the best of both worlds. It's a very happy medium. Um, All that in a, in a cool Star Wars-flavored wrapping paper. Exactly. And because Saga Edition had one developer on the payroll, of course, much of the content was freelanced out to dozens of people. But say what you will about how you feel about that, because <laughs> holy shit. Well, obviously, you know, it was a licensed IP that the corporation Wizards of the Coast was trying to maximize profits on banking on the ultimate brand recognition that is Star Wars. Swissy is just your typical D20 system with typical D&D trappings. There's a conflict described by the game master. The player typically rolls a D20 and then rinse and repeat for the most part with some flavor in between. You form a party, you encounter problems, you roll dice, and through those you tell a story. It's all administered by a game master who is referee, storyteller, and guide, all rolled into one. Something that I always think uh, game masters should draw inspiration from. Do you know about the old Dungeons & Dragons cartoon? I believe it was from the 80s. I'm familiar. I haven't seen any of it, though. I've, I've watched all of it twice. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. There is a character named Game Master yes. in that cartoon. He's a short little guy. He's a little Caucasian Yoda. Uh, <laughs> he really is. He is. Red cloak, uh, like, just balding on top. And he talks like this, ranger, acrobat. He is like this super hyper-dimensional being that can pop in and out of the, the cast's existence at will and talk to the players. He's like, um... 
Kazoo from the Flintstones. Yes. I'm not, I don't know much about Kazoo, but I'm going to assume he's like Kazoo. But yes, he plays the role of somewhat a trickster god who advises, but also challenges the party. I, I think even though it's a very silly, very on the nose and poor understanding of what a game master is actually like, it's on the flip side, a little genius because this weird trickster god speaks in riddles and tells <laughs> the cast that they will face conflict, they will suffer losses, but they will be rewarded and they'll learn. So it's – I always imagine him. He's in my head a little bit whenever I'm game mastering because I, I always think ultimately that's that's what a good game master does, kind of pops in, it's, says some weird shit and leaves. You throw like a, like a raw steak and him and Yoda like jump at it at the same time and they tear it back and forth between their mouths and claws. Fucking hell. <laughs> and, you know, Saga Edition's similarities to D&D, I think, are its strongest point. Uh, it's a heavily refined gameplay loop that feels familiar to a lot of people, and it's easy to teach, and it's easy to learn. I feel like it's it's got just enough of the rules and clarification on those rules in, in play yeah. that makes it so you're not left 30 minutes stumped on what to do if this happens or something like that. And you know it well, and so do you, listener. You can teach someone to play D&D in probably an hour or two. Yeah. And by the end of the evening, they'll probably be hooked and ready for more next week, honestly. Like Unless you did a horrible, <laughs> horrible, awful job. Unless you've done – I all right. I, I Let's let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Look behind the, the curtain. I've right. had awful first sessions. Yeah. And I'm anyone anyone who's told you I just want to warn you, you might have an awful first session. If you don't, that's great. Keep keep going, you know? Take it in stride. Go. I had a session once where two of my players were playing League of Legends the entire time. Oh. Oh, oh all too common. Yeah, it's just like it's it's one of those things where they're not present and so no. they're not collaborating in the storytelling. They part don't of care. It. And now no one should ever have to stand for that or, or deal with that. We always say here, no gaming is better than bad gaming. Yeah. Like don't don't I don't think we should say that. I think we should say don't settle for bad games. Don't, don't settle well that's that's what I'm saying at least. Yeah, I but mean, it's an old it's old order sixty six axioms. Oh really? No yeah, gaming no gaming's better oh, than bad then, games. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Oh so now that they made it up, you're okay with it. Not not if I made it up. Well, Stephen, I, I don't know you to be a wise person. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, pal. So we talked about Saga Edition similarities to D&D. I also think those similarities are, like I said, its biggest strength. Also, potentially its biggest pitfall. If you know a little bit about D&D and begin to think of Saga Edition as Star Wars skin D&D, you're going to miss out on the little things that make it stand out and honestly make it fun preferable even to 3.5 or 4th edition for me personally let's look at a typical for anyone who's played D, you're probably familiar with the typical party you've got uh, um, a fighter someone who is adept with some sort of weapon a blade an axe anything like that yeah. you've got a wizard someone who studied magic who understands the mystical intricacies of how the world works you've got a sort of caster or like a cleric or something mm -hmm. a healer a holy person right. a divine who, connection a divine connection who brings some sort of different perspective to the party and you have a rogue someone who has not lived a life super well or or they've resorted to stealing because of how their life is and these are sort of the core components of what make a D&D &D party yeah um but understanding those versus what makes a swissy party uh, are kind of where the fundamental differences in the systems really shine. Yeah. And when you were going through those character archetypes, that's what you did. You listed character archetypes. I'm sure people were thinking of their favorite characters from various media that fit into those. There's always a brash new hero discovering a new potential, a wisened educator who is in tuned into the mysticism of the world. There's a divine connection to the afterlife or something other. And then there's the underbelly of societies the, that's present but hidden. In Star Wars, we kind of shift into a different mode. Those archetypes are present but take on different appearances in different places. The closest like facsimile we have to these roles is you've got the farm boy amateur pilot who discovers something about his father he never knew. You've got the wizened old a retired general who yep. has this mystical connection to an other otherworldly force. Mm -hmm. And you have 
the um, the princess who has a mission and she's driven to complete that mission. And then you have the underbelly, the scoundrels yeah. who are only in it for the money, uh, but do not know what sort of adventure they're they're you know they're going for. Mm-hmm. The mercenary, right? It's a mer- it's a mercenary character. Yeah, and it's. It's the way that these parties come together, which really define, as well as the setting, which really define the differences between Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars Saga Edition. Yeah. Uh, I just, just I want to draw attention to, you know, we talked about the caster. The caster in fantasy setting is usually like a ranged character, right? They cast fireball from a long range. Lightning bolt. Lightning magic bolt. missile. Exactly. Stuff like that. The Star Wars ver- equivalent of that is going to be the Jedi. Yeah. And the Jedi isn't necessarily a ranged character. No, they're usually right up in your face. Yeah, they've got a lightsaber, bro. Yeah. And they're not afraid to use it. No, they should. It hurts. <laughs> Don't let it hurt you. <laughs> um, it, it's it's one of those things where we're kind of taking these typical ideas of these archetypes and flipping them on their head. Something that I think I guess George Lucas kind of had a, a say in that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. They're, they're tweaked. They're kind of molded by this world that, that Lucas propped them up in. And you can see that easily in in saga edition i'll I'll take some words from the core rulebook here i read this this morning and honestly i found it really fun um the core rulebook says you will play a hero not necessarily the good guy sense of the word but you're a protagonist you drive the plot forward in this world you can play any character you can envision and choose one that you would enjoy portraying you can also draw inspiration from the myriad of existing Star Wars characters or even pull one from a different party. I mean, what would Spock look like in Star Wars, you know? Yeah. It'd be fun. Consider characters from outside the realm of science fiction and think about how they would fit into your saga. Like Aragorn. Game. Aragorn. Indiana Jones. The treasure hunter who has like a strange mode of transportation, a whip. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a smooth talker is what it is. He's also a professor. Yeah. So he's a wizened man and he's well-traveled and he's adventurous and that's really all it is to bring that character into your saga edition game there's dr afra dr afra she's, she's basically indiana jones absolutely i don't know how she's definitely educated i don't know how smart she is but that's the fun, that's the fun of it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's reckless yeah <laughs> indiana jones is reckless too yeah yeah with women at least yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's these are just things to help you identify sort of the key differences between Swissy as a sci-fi system versus uh, Dungeons and Dragons as a fantasy system. Yeah, and there's many game mechanics that also make Swissy stand out from Dungeons and Dragons as well. The Saga Edition system has these sort of uh, core rules and concepts that set it apart from other tabletop systems. For those familiar, yeah, and some terminology that was useful to those who aren't familiar. So, like we keep saying. We'll come down from the abstract concepts now and start talking about distinct yeah, things. Yeah, give a nitty-gritty. Yeah. <laughs> what are mechanics? How do I roll dice, Steven? Your character is defined by several stats. Your character is defined by a lot of things, truly. But in the most basic sense, and this is common across many role-playing games, most role-playing games, your character is defined primarily by a set of attributes. Six numbers that represent their abilities in six different areas. Those are strength, dex, Constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. You'll have a number that represents your character's ability in each of these attributes. They're also called ability scores. And as this is a D20 system, usually you'll roll a D20 and add a specific number from one of those ability scores to that D20. Plus other potential bonuses that you'll learn more about down the line. Yes. Let's talk about features yeah. or feats, as they call them in Star Wars Saga Edition. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> the book defines them as special features. And it's Thanks. a very broad statement. But when you hear about the other stuff in the system, you'll kind of understand why. Feats are uh, specific features that players can gain as they level up or as they experience. Yeah. You know? Some certain characters start with features that give them bonuses to things. Most of the time, the features that let you subtract from one number and add to another number in certain situations or make you better at doing certain things in certain situations. I like to think of a character's feats as like a collection of party tricks. Everyone's got a small handful of party tricks they can do that can perhaps even influence the outcome of any encounter they might find themselves in. Or maybe Um, consider it as like 
a deck of cards that your player can do things from uh, that you can use at any time. Yeah. Even less commonly, as your character gains strength and experience, experience points even, they will be able to select a talent. These are kind of the bread and butter of your character's actual capabilities. These are the things that represent your character's aspirations, specialization, maybe even their career. This is what they're all about. This is what they're known for. They help characters be bet- excel at certain situations. Maybe uh, this talent makes you better with lightsabers, or this talent makes you uh, more apt for healing, for or for doing like treating injuries or medicine or anything like that. This uh, in a heist movie, you know the classic heist movie when they're getting the boys together yeah. and assembling a team. Your character would be brought on for the heist movie because of their talents. Their special, yeah, their specializations, and yes. stuff like that, as opposed to feats or features that may add a number or let you re-roll a dice, talents are much, much, much more specialized. They are the cornerstone of your strategy when you're playing as that character in a in some sort of encounter or scenario. And they usually have way more specific situations in which they can be used. Yeah, and you get fewer of them, like we said. It's every odd level. Your level, of course, representing your character's overall muster experience tough guy-ness, expertise. Yeah, expertise. Now, we've talked an awful lot about what your character, your Saga Edition character, can do. Another great thing about Swissy is the ample amount of skills that are defined by the game. Your Game Master, when you're playing the game, will present you with a series of challenges, skill challenges, even, perhaps. Perhaps you'll want to bust down a locked door or search through a crate for a needed part. Or steal a speeder. Exactly. You will need to roll a skill check, and you'll see them right there on your character sheet. You've got skills. These are another set of predefined numbers that define your character's ability in certain areas. You'll have a skill modifier for mechanics, knowledge of life sciences, acrobatics, climbing. There are many different skills for different situations, too many for us to list here, but they're all named, as Steven said, pretty aptly. They're pretty straightforward when you look at them. They... Like I said, acrobatics, climb, mechanics, um, persuasion, persuasion. You should be able to know pretty quickly when they're appropriate. If we're trying to convince a store owner to lower his prices, I'm probably not going to be using acrobatics to do so. Unless you give me a hell of a good reason to do so. <laughs> exactly. Unless you can think of a really good explanation. Maybe you see a uh, Olympics poster in the back of the store owner shop and consider maybe he'd be impressed by a particularly acrobatic move. And that that right there, that is the appeal of these sort of collaborative storytelling games. Yeah. The rules are there, but they're also bendable. They sway in the wind as you need them to. They're they're nice in that way. I like I think it was best said when someone said that the rules are the starting point. That's level one. That's the ground floor. You you go up from there. You grow from there. It's The rules, of course, cannot encapsulate every possible situation. You'll find yourself at the table. This was a driving point behind Saga Edition's design. You'll find many aspects of this game that feel underbaked or maybe even unfinished. That's because they wanted folks at the table to figure it out themselves. They wanted to empower storytelling groups, tables, to tell their own fucking stories without having to read through a whole bunch of books. Yeah, and and don't forget that you aren't by yourself. You are there with your table, you've got your fellow players, you've got your gut, your game master. Yeah, and hopefully they're good friends, too. Hopefully. Maybe you hate your fellow players. I don't know. They'll grow to be good friends after the course of your adventures together in the Star Wars universe. So another important aspect of your character that is vital to kind of who this character is, is their class. In uh, previous incarnations of role-playing games, especially Dungeons & Dragons, your class was a relatively rigid thing. Uh, The barbarian was shirtless and swung two axes. The cleric mostly prayed to God and did healing spells. The bard played a lute and kissed pretty women. Exactly. And this was fine. You know, everyone knew their place. It's a great way to play a game. In Saga Edition, we kind of see that broken up just a little bit. The classes fulfill distinct play styles, but not necessarily roles, if that makes sense. Your scoundrel, for example, can be one of many different types of scoundrels. Maybe they excel at hiding things, including themselves. They might excel at disrupting and debuffing their enemies. 
they might be a crack shot in their own right. Uh, with the talents and feats system, Saga Edition allows you to be one of or any of these scoundrels at, at any point. There's several classes in Swissy. Let's go through them. There's a noble. The noble is the best educated member of the party. The noble is proficient in some area, whether it be the social sciences, they might be a highly educated engineer or a skilled diplomat. Alternatively, depending on how you play, they could be disgraced. They could have fallen from some high position in society and now eke out a meager existence in the uh, underworld. There's the scout, who is the rugged survivalist. They're, in fact, the only ones who can conduct roles with a survival skill and generally fairly mobile and tough. Kind of a jack-of-all-trades. There's the soldier, the, the character that has trained for and explicitly uh, gone into combat. Explicit martial prowess. The soldier's the only class to start with armor proficiency. Yep. So they are experienced in wearing heavy sets of blaster-proof armor or anything like that. And the soldier can be a protector. The soldier can be a high-damage, high-attack kill machine. They can be an armed guard hired to protect a... A small little baby green guy. Reiterate, the scoundrel is your crack shot, sly, smuggling. Wisecracking. Wisecracking. That's what I was going for. Shit eating. Shit eating. Any any or all of these descriptors apply to the scoundrel. Oh, and then, of course, the Jedi, which big old asterisk next to the Jedi. Jedi, of course, conjures to mind a member of the Jedi Order, a warrior of truth and peace who wears robes and swings a light stick around. This is true much of the time, though the Jedi in Saga Edition, big note, does not necessarily mean the archetypal Jedi of the Jedi Order. They could be a wayward, lost warrior with a curse gift that follows them throughout their whole life, or they can be a supreme executioner, hunter of those who carry the Force with them. They could be a, a kid who has passed down his father's uh, his, his past father's weapon. Yeah. And has recently discovered this sort of power within them. So, yeah, the Swissy classes kind of are, well, are much broader than your classic paladin, rogue, bard. And that's one of the biggest strengths of Swissy, I think. I, I spoke earlier about how assuming it's Star Wars skin D&D is, is a pitfall. And this is one of them. The classes are not real analogs to Dungeons and Dragons, and they should be handled as such. But Steven, what if I want to play like Django Fett? I like Django Fett. He's <laughs> You've a cool got character. options. Django Fett has several classes of his own. Let's take a look. So prestige classes, the advanced forms of classes, are probably outside of the scope of this discussion. But in terms of just the basic heroic classes, Django Fett has three levels in Scout, three levels in Scoundrel, and three levels in Soldier. There you go. That's that's to give you an idea of how kind of nebulous the system is in the way classes work. You can kind of go back and forth on several classes that you'd like. You can mix and match. You can choose the parts of a class you like the most and take them with you as you level up. This is another reason why Saga Edition stands out. Multiclassing is easy and even encouraged in many, many cases. And as Steven touched upon that, probably not going to talk about it this week, but prestige classes are for those who are looking to super specialize. Yep. If you want to be specifically an assassin or a bounty hunter or a medic, even there's, there's sort loads and loads of prestige classes out there for you to use. This is great because just about anyone you can envision or imagine could easily be made in the system with really no additions or changes of your own. Which is one of the reasons why, you know, 13, uh, no, 15 years later after it came out, we're still playing it. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it has a, not just a, a real solid community around it, but a growing community. All I mean, every week it seems like someone's trying to figure out how to play this damn thing. At That's least the ones that get on Discord. <laughs> I remember just a year ago, the subreddit had like, I think we've got like a thousand subscribers on the subreddit. Not, it's not our subreddit to yeah. be clear, but on the Saga Edition subreddit gained like a thousand readers in less than a year or so, I think, if I was watching it correctly. That's insane. That's yeah. incredible. For those who are new to the show, this is the sort of part of the episode where we talk about uh, how thankful we are, anything that comes in to be promoted or anything like that. Um, so thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast, whether you were led here by a friend or you found us because you like Star Wars. 
We appreciate it. Absolutely. We do have several ways. Are you, do you like the show? Are you enjoying? How are you enjoying the show? I hate listener. It. No, oh, not you, oh, Stephen. Oh, I don't okay. care if you like the show or not. Listener, how are you enjoying the show? Are you sitting down? Are you getting comfy? Are you working? Are you on the bus? On your commute? Are you in a train? In a, on a train? On a plane? In a car? <laughs> Going far? <laughs> um, we hope you're enjoying the show, at least. Uh, or feeling enlightened in some way, right? Or at least inspired. Inspired. That's or the goal. The goal is inspire and entertain. So this is the part of the show where we talk about, you know, how thankful we are. And if you review us or anything like that, we'll shout you out here. Or if you join our Patreon in the description, you will shout you out here as well. It's been um, a few weeks since I said it, but um, there's a community podcast. You know, it's, it's me and Sam. We put it on, but very much so. Anyone who writes in, anyone with any feedback, ideas for the show, it gets featured. I love being a community podcast. Um, being part of the community, featuring community ideas, builds, input is what makes this so worth it and so fun for me. Yeah. If you've got any questions about the system, you can email us, darktimesswse at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter, DarkTimesSWSE. And if Stephen and I have already talked about another episode, we'll direct you that way. Uh, otherwise, it'll be pretty much next episode you'll probably hear about it. Yeah, we're pretty quick. And for anyone who's more experienced in the game, or if you want to try your hand at submitting a build for the show, any any cool concept, any cool character you come up with, we'll happily talk about it as well. If you're feeling brave, if you have an idea for a segment on the show, I'd love to feature that as well. You talking about some aspect of Saga Edition roleplay that you are endeared by, we would love to hear it. Or even Star Wars in general and how it affects your experience at the gaming table. Absolutely. Now, we hope you're strapped in because we're going to head to Zero Distance. Sam, what is Zero Distance? What, well, what is those words you say? As far as I know, Stephen, Zero Distance is sort of the name of the campaign you've started play, uh, DMing for me and our friends. Yes. Did I get it? Was that right? <laughs> Sorry, I spaced out for a sec there. Yeah, Zero Distance is the name for the latest Saga Edition campaign I'm running. Uh, Sam, who plays uh, Atorn Casilla. Casilla? Casilla. Casilla. Uh, is Mandalorian pilot. Mandalorian pilot, part of a crack team of Spec Force pilots who are assigned to, to the uh, Quasar Fire cruiser carrier Serendipity on a journey through the Outer Rim to deliver a mysterious secret cargo to an undisclosed location of great importance to Rebel Intelligence. Uh, so what has happened lately on Zero Distance? Well, uh, for those unfamiliar, let's just talk about our our group, our party. Yeah. Uh, we have been recruited by a high member. Oh, this takes place during the. This is three ABY, same year as Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So before Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. But after A New Hope. Yes. For those, for those keeping track at home. <laughs> Spec Force Commander Kath Vanrod has assembled what he calls a new weapon for the Rebellion, a sort of strategy wild card of. Pilots who he's assembled based on how compatible their psychological profiles are uh, that are widely trained in a wide variety of fighters and tactics to take on any challenge the Empire might throw at the Rebellion. It's like the Avengers meets Top Gun. Wow, that's actually precisely what how. Yeah, that's really good. You didn't expect it to be. No, that I didn't. I didn't think it hit the nail on the head that far. Yeah, it's totally the Avengers meets Top Gun. Huh. Cool. <laughs> but better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we have Sam's character, Atorn. Did you want to talk a little bit about, yeah. a little bit about uh, Atorn? Atorn Casilla is like fresh out of the Imperial Academy human pilot. Mm -hmm. And he is from the planet Mandalore, the same planet that Boba and Jango Fett are originated from, mm -hmm. or at least their people originated from, or the Mandalorian as well. Yeah, He is currently trying to uh, prove himself as a pilot in the Rebellion. Because all he wants to do is take back, help take back Mandalore from the Empire. He was a dropout slash escapee of the Imperial Academy. Yeah, for for yeah. those familiar with like A New Hope or anything like that, yeah. uh, Biggs Darklighter Biggs, is one yeah. of those characters that goes to the Academy so he can uh, pick up the skills to be a pilot and immediately desert and join the Rebellion. <laughs> Classic. We love it. It's great. I love that concept. There's also Tullaman or Tully. I can't remember their last name right now, but they're a Thelan, grew up in, on a station in Hut Space, a uh, young and passionate racer, uh, participated in many underground racing circuits before they tragically lost their hand. After a short time recovering, they decided it was time to join the Rebellion. And now they Trying to join a cause they believe in instead of dying on the cold streets of some racetrack. <laughs> 
There's a Kitchvol is a Rodian who, upon coming of age, got all of his best friends together, pulled their money for a cracked out, sketchy freighter that they patched together and launched themselves into the Outer Rim for a life of adventure and fortune. Though tragedy struck when the Empire caught them on the wrong day, Kitch lost all of his friends in that fateful encounter and decided to sign up for the rebellion as an act of revenge against the Empire for killing his friends. Uh, there's the the pilot Yegor Nikolev, who's sort of an older gentleman, mechanic, grizzled, uh, and he loves uh, fresh roast. Is what he loves. Yeah, he, at our first session, he he managed to make a like it's some sort of real nice like Bantha Angus roast that, that won over the. Uh, the love of his party. He's from a, a frigid, uh, distant, uh, obscure outer rim world uh, that has been fending off Black Sun pirate invaders for the better part of several generations. Uh, so he's very uh, mechanically intuitive, inclined, maybe? very mechanically inclined, and and knows how to make the the best out of out of the worst scrapped. And he has a Russian accent. And he has a Russian accent. <laughs> he was inspired. Uh, I, I'm told he was inspired by. Uh, World War One and World War Two Russian pilots who would very often um, I don't know the, the the truth of these statements, but apparently would very often ram their uh, less than up to spec uh, <laughs> aircraft into the enemy. And last but certainly not least, we have Sigil Akvejne, a night sister. Uh, Sigil was cool because she was actually inspired. The, the player took inspiration from like a one off MMO enemy from the now defunct Star Wars Galaxies. <laughs> That's great. Many of you are probably familiar with the Night Sisters of Dathomir. They understand the Force through use of magics and ritual and ancestor worship, all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, but Sigil and, and her people are from a, a moon in orbit above Dathomir, and their faith and, and practice of magics is centered on the stars and the void and very much a space theme. They And flight. Yes, and flight. They fly their spacecraft with minimum assistance from electronic instruments and they take on rebels imps alike with extreme prejudice who's ever unfortunate to drift within their uh, territory uh sigil was due to ascend as uh the leader of her tribe uh, before she was cast out for saying hey maybe we don't attack the rebels and still attack the imps <laughs> i didn't know that well, yeah yeah that, that was sigil's <laughs> whole deal and uh through what my character atorn believes to be freak luck uh, Sigil is the commanding officer of their squadron. Yes, yes. Uh, I love it because there's it's a point of contention. Sigil is and Atorn are very different types of nobles, uh, leaders trained from very different backgrounds. And through the organization score system, but of course we played it out more in actual story sense, Sigil was selected to lead what is Null Squadron, uh, derived from the Spec Force name assigned to them, the Null Point Contingency. What have we done? So Let's do a quick glance over. Like, yeah, this week distance. you guys are actually dealing with Hypori. Uh, it was the first stop in your Outer Rim journey. There was a weapons cache on the surface of the desert planet. Uh, not, it's like uh, desert brings like Tatooine imagery to mind. We all More know like Hypori. It's wasteland. Wasteland yeah, planet. It's yeah. polluted. It sucks. Um, there's a weapons cache on the surface of the planet, though you were stopped by the Zon Consortium, uh, a group of pirate militia that has blockaded the planet with uh, kind of patched together old confederacy of independent systems gear there's a lucre hulk there you guys did some scouting missions to get some better scans of the planet next session you're actually due to descend to the planet's surface and take out a droid factory from within with your fighters riveting yeah uh zero distance is the story and lives of these pilots living through the rebellion yeah and joining a cause that they believe in and butting heads with other pilots other people on the same side yeah, but it's just not taking on the bad guys. You guys have had plenty of, of conflicts to deal with aboard the serendipity. Your commanding officer is less than a trustworthy figure. Yeah, which proves no matter what your political affiliation, you can still be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we proved that in a role-playing game. <laughs> so Steven and I wanted to brush up you guys on the zero distance story. Yeah, it, it had a really positive response when I first alluded to it. Probably that was months ago now. Uh, session one, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about session one. Oh, sorry. Episode one, rather. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I thought those who were wondering about what happened with zero distance, what's going on with those those folks, uh, feel free to write in with questions. Um, I could run it by the players. You might get an answer. I don't know. This is our personal oh, private campaign. Cool. Yeah, like yeah. This, this is a personal private thing for us. But if you guys were curious about... Thoughts or had ideas for the campaign, you know, I'd love to hear about them. 
Normally, uh, on this part of the show, we would do like a build or a showcase of a build or something like that. But we included this to sort of give new new to the system players an idea of what kind of stories you can tell with Saga Edition. Yeah, it's not always so black and white. In fact, I think Star Wars and campaigns overall are more fun when they kind of explore the gray morality. I mean, for example, you guys have been issued orders from a figure that you don't trust all the time. And that has its own unique conflicts that we don't often see on the screen in star Wars. Oh, Sam, I've got some trivia for us this week. Nope. That's not what we're doing yet. Oh, Oh, Oh no. Are you really again? Yeah. Oh man. For those new to the show, we have a segment called name that NPC or I literally kill you yeah. where I, or our, and the listeners pit Steven up against a, uh, anonymous stat block. Uh, from the system, from an official book. Uh, Steven's pretty well read, we feel like, or he feels like. <laughs> got them all on the first try so far. <laughs> yeah, he's got them all on the first try. Listen to the other ones if you're interested in that. Uh, but I've got another one for you this week, my friend. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the rules, Steven has three chances to guess. Steven's allowed to ask a question before each of his guesses. If he guesses incorrectly on his third guess, he dies and the show ends. Sadly, I will be putting out applications for a new co-host uh, in the coming days. Once again, for those of you who say that these need to be harder, you don't understand. This is my fucking life on the line. Alrighty, all right, buddy. This stat block is from the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Oh, cool! Pretty popular again, one yeah, for this. It's segment. a favorite of mine, personally. All right, we'll see it then. Uh, we've got a Jedi Eight, Jedi Knight Four, Jedi Master Two. Uh, they have Force Power Suite, uh, Battle Strike, Force Slam, Force Stun, Force Thrust, Move Object, Rebuke, and Surge. Rom Coda. Rom Coda. Do you want to ask a question first before you give me that guess? Is this a light side Force user? Yes. Rom Coda. No, it is not Rom Coda. <laughs> Like that's like the there's a buzz there. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, buzz. there's, a, there's a red light that comes on. <laughs> yeah, that's flashing. Three, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll keep going. Uh, force techniques, improved force trance, improved sense force, talents, acrobatic recovery, Ataru, battle meditation, block, deflect, redirect shot, weapon specialization and lightsabers, feats. Pretty classic Jedi. Acrobatic strike, double attack. Force sensitivity, force training two, running attack, rapid strike, skill focused use the force, weapon finesse, and weapon focus and proficiency with lightsabers. Mm, bit of a duelist type. Do you have another question? Is this person a member of the Jedi Order? Yes. Okay. Species. This is the last piece of information I'm giving you because okay. this is the one that gives it away. Okay. Species. Togruda. This is the last part of the staff log, by the way. I'm, I'm out. There's, there's nothing left. If you have you have a guess because you already asked a question, you have a guess, another question, and another guess. Yeah, they also have the Togruta species traits: pack hunter, sneaky, spatial awareness. Oh, shock T, shock T, <laughs> great job, Steven. <laughs> wow, you live another day, my friend. I, I gotta call my guy and have him cancel those printouts for missing persons report for <laughs> Wait, Steven. You already filed the. <laughs> He's, he lives. He lives. Cancel it right now. <laughs> we like oh to God. cap off every episode with some little trivia, yeah. whether it be behind the scenes or not. Uh, Steven said he brought some this week. I did. I did. So in Return of the Jedi, Lucas wanted the final showdown to be on Kashyyyk with an army of Wookiees, similar to what we ended up seeing in Revenge of the Sith. However, this was not feasible or even really like doable budget-wise at the time. All of those cool aliens you see in Star Wars were very expensive to produce. Many of them were intricate animatronics. Of course, Chewbacca himself was a very expensive and elaborate costume. But to save costs, they settled on Ewoks instead because they were smaller. Yeah, less fabric, I guess. Yeah, right? sure enough. I mean, what, like enough fabric for two Ewoks is one Wookiee? Three, maybe? <laughs> is that how it works? That's, that's the, the pelt exchange the, right Yeah, there. the Ewok pelt to Wookiee pelt exchange rate. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we got Ewoks, because he wanted to do uh, Wookiees, but uh, had to cut costs. I definitely like Ewoks. I think Ewoks. I love Ewoks, man. I think they add, uh, like, another... If it was Wookiees, it'd be, like, more Wookiees, you know? Yeah. It's it's a new thing for the original trilogy, which I think was nice. Yeah, it was a good call overall. Oh, that was great, Steve. That was great trivia. 
Thank you. My favorite part of Ewoks is when they play the drums on the Stormtrooper helmets, because that's fucking hilarious. That's so great. They, they've seen Stormtroopers for all of, like, three days, and they already understand acoustically, like, how the helmets work. <laughs> Do you think they ate them? I think they ate them. Oh, they definitely they, ate yeah. them, right? Yeah, like, they totally ate some Stormtroopers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Dark Times Podcast. The show's produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. You can email us, darktimesswse at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at darktimesswse. Well, actually, before I do that, before I finish this, Stephen, I've got a shout-out, because we had a gentleman on Twitter uh, shout us out. Did we? Oh, man, that's so cool. Shout-out to John uh, Froon-Levin. He uh, he said he ran a Saga Edition game recently, and he he thanked us for being an invaluable reference to him. Wow, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. We haven't heard from anyone in a in a hot minute here, so it's that's that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah, if you have any cool stories about how it went, please tell us about your campaign. I'd love to either read them or feature them on the show, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, and again, that email is darktimesswse at gmail.com. It's also in the description. Uh, Stephen, do you have a quote for us this week? I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Wow, man, yeah. That was, I'm always touches my heart. Well, you don't, you don't like the, I'll see you in hell! <laughs> that one I like more. Uh, that I think that's my favorite Han quote from Empire. The fucking Han damning the Tauntaun Tamer to hell. Fuck the I know. It's straight up just like the guy being Same like, movie. you can't go out there, you'll freeze. He's like, then I'll see you in hell! <laughs> that's got, that had to be improvised, right? Lucas I, didn't write that. Oh, absolutely. Well, as, from what I've heard, a lot of that movie, like, they just had Harrison Ford, like, say lines and see what stuck. <laughs> Yeah, the I know was... Improvised. We improvised. talked about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, like, let's just do one more, then it's lunch. And then he was like, that's it. And everyone was like, yeah, we did it! Great job! And he was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of it. Like, God, they really dragged that man through... Han Solo... Five movies? It's great. Han Solo says it like... As like, you know, because he's schmarmy, you know? Yeah. But Harrison Ford was saying it because he was just fucking sick of it. <laughs> We can kind of see it on his face in the scene. He's like totally straight face, he's like dead serious. Well, listen, this, it's like the fifth time they've shot like smoke into his face. <laughs> he's got to say something. Otherwise, oh. they're going to be late to lunch. <laughs> and poor Luke in the cave, too, with that other the other smoke in his face. Good night, everybody. Good night. Very good. Well, well John. Well, John.